Welcome and good morning. Um, welcome to Wishare Community Church. My name is Alyssa Wright, and I'd like to give an extra welcome to anyone that might be visiting with us or have only visited us a couple times. We're happy that you're here. Welcome. The mission and purpose of Wishare Community Church is a gathered group of Christians who exist to give creating, creative and meaningful worship to God and to discover and develop disciples of Jesus Christ. We strive to love God and love others fervently. Announcements for this week. Um, parents of Kids Church Kids, please make sure you get your stickers on your kids before they run off to Kids Church. Um, also, there is a men's breakfast September 30th. That's this coming Saturday. Make sure you sign up for that. Rock families of middle school and high schoolers, we want to invite you. We are going to Flights Farm on October 8th. So please uh, check out that information. Your students should have brought home a form with all of the information. Um, we do want to try to get a head count before we go to that. So talk to your students. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, they should know. If not, if they don't know, um, you know where to find more info. You can talk to uh, Aaron or myself. If you are interested in the Liberia mission trip in 2024, there is a meeting on October 1st in the lower level, room 112 at 8.30 a.m. Um, also, please be sure to check out your bulletin for any additional announcements or check out the online bulletin. Um, there's lots of things happening at our church. All right, I invite you to um, stand with me as we read our scripture this morning. This is from Matthew 18, 12 through 15 and verse 20. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these ones should perish. If, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. For where two or three are gathered in this place, I am with them. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you have gathered us here in this place. Thank you for bringing all these people here to worship you. Thank you that you have um, you have found us. We were the 99 and you have found the one that was lost. You found us and you brought us here. I pray that we would honor you with our worship this morning. Um, open our hearts to what it is that you have for us this morning. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I may have opened up a can of worms there, huh? Yeah, I heard some rivalry going on. Um, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time. I'm going to take up our, our weekly offering, but also we're going to remember in prayer. Um, our missionaries slated for this Sunday to pray about are those that are in areas that we can't say much about. And so, um, so let's remember these unnamed, unnamed areas, but there are missionaries that we support that are in those areas. So let's lift them up in our prayers today. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for the opportunity to 
give our tithes and offerings, Lord. Thank you that these, you, you expand them and make them to cover all the ministries of this church and then beyond. And, and to be able to reach out to even areas where your name is uh, maybe forbidden or, or there's high opposition to your name being mentioned. But you have your, you have your children, you have your missionaries uh, in those areas. And so we want to support them financially. And we also want to support them with our prayers and our thoughts, Lord. So your hand upon them, being with them. And Lord, again, thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to, to share in the ministry here of WCC. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. As the ushers are taking up the offering, it is really great to have a visiting. Anytime we have a missionary that we support that's here visiting, to be able to have them come up and say a few words. So Ellis is here this morning, and if I could have him come up here. Where is he? Where'd he go? Huh, there he is. Oh, I thought you were, you're going to bring up the baby? Oh, yeah, you're going to bring up the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, come on right up here. Everybody will be able to see you. Alice is going to be at Pavilion Praise tonight, which might be inside. <laughs> if it's raining, we'll be downstairs in the rock room, so you can park on the back side if it's raining. Um, but Alice is going to be there also to share a little more about the ministry. But I want him to be able to share this morning and share in a little joy. Yeah, a little joy. Yeah. Um, so this is Jacob, the newest member to our family here. Uh, he's almost three months old now. Uh, so we are proud parents up here and proud parents of Adeline as well. Uh, when I married Kristen, uh, we said like 18 months ago or so. Uh, I also got to inherit Adeline as a daughter, so uh, just so glad to have us as a as a family, and um, yeah, lots of lots of fun. So uh, we are excited that we are now, uh, as I've stood before you guys several times, but we are now uh, doing missions as a whole family. So Kristen has also joined. She wanted to remind uh, you guys also about our dog Sky at home as part of the family. So. Very valid point. Very valid point. Thank you, Adeline. Um, so, uh, so yes, yeah, so we are doing now missions as as a whole family. So this last year we have been in transition um, kind of mode, if you will. So Kristen has joined the ministry full time. I have transitioned from short term to long term. Uh, we have done a, a, a vast amount of training over the last year. Uh, which if you said, oh, he's here, and unfortunately we are going back home on Tuesday and said, oh, we missed him. We really would love to catch up with him. We'll be back in November. Uh, for the majority of the month of November, we'll be around this area because uh, we are headed to Minneapolis the first week of November for our last set of trainings and such. So we'll be back up this way then. Um, for those of you that don't know uh, much about what we do, uh, we work with uh, the, the Evangelical Free Church. Uh, with their uh, missions outreach arm, which is called Reach Global. And we work with Crisis Response, which is one ministry within that. Uh, so we s go to places that are in crisis and serve alongside uh, volunteers from all over the nation that travel in to help rebuild and meet some physical needs as well as spiritual needs. So if you want to know more about that, I'm not going to go into great detail. Tonight's a great opportunity. Or we have new flyers. Um, out in, we'll be out in the lobby after, after service here. Um, as well as we also have new prayer cards, 
with all four of our smiling faces on it. Uh, so if you have an old prayer card, please come grab a new one, update that, throw it on your fridge. We appreciate your prayers. Uh, first and foremost, we appreciate your prayers. That also has our support information. Uh, that's the other big part of our picture here right now is that uh, we are trying to raise support. Uh, by year end is our goal to have our support raised so that we can indeed um, uh, carry on as a family to do missions uh, wherever that may be, wherever we're called to be. Uh, right now we're still in Moorhead City, North Carolina, which if you track the weather, uh, a storm literally passed directly over our house uh, last night or the night before. So we've been told not too much damage, some rain, some wind, but uh, so we'll head back to that tonight. So, or uh, Tuesday, sorry, not tonight, Tuesday. Um, let's see, anything else uh, that I need to talk about? Um, yeah, so we'll be out in the, again, out there uh, after this and tonight at Pavilion Praise. So if you want to grab some information from us, please do so. If you want to uh, talk more or get signed up to maybe talk with us in November to, to see more about our ministry or what it looks like to support and partner with us, uh, we'd be happy to do that. Um, some prayer requests. Uh, so travel, uh, we have a lot of travel coming up. Obviously travel back from here. And then next weekend, I'll be traveling down to Florida to spend a week down in Florida to help out with our site down there after hurricane last year for a week, then back up this way. Then we're back up this way for um, uh, training in, in November. So we'll be bouncing around a lot. So um, hopefully you guys can keep up and catch up with us uh, if you want to. Um, other than that, uh, guidance for our next steps is what it looks like to pursue missions as a family. Uh, and then of course our support as we are continuing to try to raise that. So that's that's where we're at. We not only get to hear from our visiting missionaries, but we also get to pray right now with them. So let's do that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Ellis and his family. Thank you for how you blessed him that way. And Lord Jesus, we do pray for all these things that he just mentioned, the travel, um, the provision um, of financial support, Lord, that has has increased because of, of his family and, and his whole family being able to be a part of the ministry. And Lord Jesus, uh, be with him also on the sites that he goes to. Thank you for giving him the knowledge that he has and also the heart that he has for the people that he is serving. And we ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Can we give another welcome to them this morning? Yeah. Okay. Um, you may look up here and say, hey, this is something different. This is something different. Um, Pastor or, or Aaron Aaron saw this and he goes, ooh, are you getting a little edgy? And I said, no, no, I'm not getting edgy. It's just a prop. It's a prop for the sermon this morning. So I thought, well, I'm going to bring it up to make it as realistic as I possibly can. This is our last Sunday in the, in the month of September. This is the last Sunday that we look at Bible engagement. Part of making disciples is how did Jesus make disciples Jesus helped them engage with the Word of God. And it's not enough just to know the Word of God, of course. It is to apply the Word of God. And so when I was thinking through this back at the first part of the month, actually before the month, I was like, what can I talk about? Well, this passage, actually this verse came up um, of Matthew 18, 15, because like one of the hardest passages to apply is to apply the passage that talks about conflict resolution. A sin situation where we need to come to one another and speak with one another about it. It's probably the most hardest. 
I, you know, I don't have people raising their... I love confrontation. Yeah, no, no. It's usually the opposite. But in the Scriptures, we have that. So to start off this, I don't know if you know this, but after every sermon, I have a blog. And I write up a, a blog post about that sermon. And lots of times what I do is there's other things that are going in my head while I'm preaching. And so some of those things come out in that blog afterwards. And then after I get that done, then I, I, I put it there and then I put it on the church private Facebook page. And when I got done with this one, two, two, or the first Sunday in September when I preached, um, I not only put it there, but I said to Aaron, Aaron, can you print that out and can you send that out to everybody on the email? And so that's what he did. So what I'm going to start off with, you may have read already, but maybe this is the first time that you hear it. And one more thing before I read this as a start is this is my personal reflection. This is my personal reflection. So like I preached the sermon, but this is like me talking it back to myself. And that's always a good thing for us to do. When we come into the sanctuary and we hear a sermon, we hear something from the word of God. Um, don't be thinking, don't be thinking, oh, I'm sure glad so-and-so heard that. <laughs> no, no. Be, always be thinking, God, what, what are you speaking to me about today through your word? Personal reflection. So this is what I wrote. The passage covered this Sunday uh, had another tough saying by Jesus. Matthew 15, 11. It is not what enters the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Now this verse should be, for myself, a gauge or an indicator of when I am not in alignment with God's words for me. It, it makes me evaluate what's been coming out of my mouth lately indicates the condition of my heart. Because later in verse 18, it says these words, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. Now, another verse I relate this to is 1 John 4.20, which says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Now, taking this verse apart from the beginning, if someone says, I love God, but notice, I am the one saying this. It's not what others are saying about me, or it's not about what I'm actually doing. It is about what I am saying about myself. Moving farther, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, but this is actually what I'm doing. I'm holding something against someone who's in the family of God. My mouth is saying one thing about God, and my actions are saying something very opposite about a family member. Moving further, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now, what am I lying about? I'm lying saying that I love God. Because I'm hating my brother. I'm already doing that, so I'm not lying about that. I'm lying that I, I love God. Why? Because the God I say I love told me to strive to love him and love others. And here I am hating my brother. This is an oil and water situation. Me saying I love God and hating my brother at the same time is incompatible. They don't mix. So what do I do if I'm in this situation? What do I do if I find myself hating my brother? And most likely, the hate has come from a sin that has been committed. 
I had been hurt by my brother, and, and my first response usually isn't love for him. So what do I do? Well, I know Matthew 18, 15. It says, now if your brother sins, go and show him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. Now this is what I should do, but sometimes I have went to others first. Now in the best sense, maybe I'm seeking wise counsel with the full intention of following Matthew 18, 15. And maybe I just need to make sure that I'm going in the right frame of mind. And so I lean on Proverbs 12, 15, which says the way of the ignorant fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Or Proverbs eleven fourteen, that says where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is salvation. Or Proverbs 19, 20, and 21 that says, listen to the counsel and receive discipline that you may be wise in the end of your days. Many thoughts are in man's heart, but it is the counsel of Yahweh or the counsel of God that will stand. So if it is truly wise counsel, they will guide me back to Matthew 18, 15. Now I'm at a pivotal point. Will I do it? Or will I seek a second opinion, as they say? If I don't do Matthew 18, 15, then most likely I'm going to speak to others about what happened to me. But do I realize at that moment that I am the one sinning? I'm going against what God has said to do. I'm taking a different route. Now we have two problems to deal with. The original sin done to me, and now the sin that I am now committing. But I always want to make what I've done wrong smaller than what's been done wrong to me. It, it, but now we have the plank and the speck scenario in Matthew 7, 3 through 5. And you remember this passage. It says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? Or... How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly the speck in your brother's eye. The plank or the log is related to me. That's the bigger object. And the speck is related to the other person. That's the smaller object. And then I underlined this in the blog. Many times I have to start a Matthew 18, 15 situation with me first confessing my own sin. My own sin. The initial sin or wrong is now secondary, the speck, to my responsibility to take the plank or log out of my own eye as primary. I find myself continually looking for a different way to deal with sin than the way God has prescribed I've tried the avenues of time or distance. I've tried to just coexist with the situation by being at least civil with each other. But I know that these are man-made methods and, and they will never bring about resolution. But I try them anyways. The Bible says that confession is the Christian's bar of soap. If we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us there's the soap, cleanse us for all unrighteousness. Confession leads me 
cleanses me, I should say, because I've submitted again to God's words and His ways. Confession is obedient. So I'm so thankful that my heart was washed by God through Christ's action on the cross. But I need to keep my feet washed by Him. Because at times, because I have sinned. And sometimes I have sinned because of my sinful actions that followed being sinned against. I need to be reminded that sin won't rightfully be resolved in any other way. So, I've titled this sermon, um, The Positives, or The Postures, The Positives, and The Party. And back to Matthew 18, 12 through 15. I've subtitled it, The Seriousness of Sin and the Seriousness of the Scriptures. And, and the context of Matthew 18 is this, is at the start of that chapter, Jesus is flip-flopping the values. He's flip-flopping the values. The co- disciples are all concerned about who's the greatest, who's the greatest, who's the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus has to tell them again, wait a minute, guys. It's not the guy at the head of the line. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the guy that's at the end of the line, and he's actually serving everybody else. That's who the greatest is. And so he's flip-flopping their values. Secondly, he is stressing the seriousness of sin. If you look at verse 6 of chapter 18, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow, how serious is sin? And he goes on to say, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot, you know, and of course, he's, he's not saying to physically do that literally. But we are to spiritually, literally, take the, take the instruction that God's given to us here and say, this sin needs to be dealt with. Needs to be dealt with. And then the last thing in context leading up to this is Jesus says not to be in stab mode, but to be in search mode. Not in stab mode, but search mode. So we get to that verse 12 when it says, what do you think? If a man owns 100 sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? That's search mode. That's search mode. And if he finds it. Now that's a big if. That's a big if. If he finds it, that means he maybe couldn't find it. Kind of, but if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep uh, than the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, in the same way, and I would add, and yet better, in the same way, but yet better, <laughs> your father is in heaven is not willing that any, not willing that any, of these little ones should be lost. So there's the difference. I mean, the shepherd, he lost the sheep if he finds it, if he finds it. But when we talk about our heavenly father, and if you are one of his sheep, you will not be lost. He, you can wander. But it's, it's his will that you be found. And he's not willing for anyone, his little ones, to perish. Because he's in all-out search mode. All-out search mode. And I, I just stop there and say, boy, if you're not a part of the flock, if you're not a, a sheep of, of God as your shepherd, call out to Him. Call out to Him. Know that he, he, even if you wander, 
He will bring you home. He will bring you home. And so, at verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault between you and the two of them. So there's search mode. Search mode. If he listens to you. So there's a big if again, right? Because what? He could not. It could be a possibility he doesn't listen to you. But if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Now, I'm going to fly through this. Some major points. Our sin negatively impacts others. These are just broad points. Our sin negatively impacts others. Even unconfessed sin, even sin that you think nobody else knows about, but you are a part of a body of believers and unconfessed sin that nobody else knows about, it affects the whole group. It does. We can't think that it doesn't. Sin infiltrates. We need to take our sins seriously and notice that it's our sin seriously. Third one, we're in a family situation. If your brother sins against you, we're in a family situation. This is not an elder's job. He's, he's speaking to who? He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to all of his disciples when he's saying this, that this is the way that we, when we have a conflict, when we have sin, this is what we do. This is what we do. And I put down there 2 Thessalonians, um, 2 Thessalonians 3, 14 and 15. This one really ties in there. 2 Thessalonians 13, 14 and 15. If anyone does not obey the instruction in this letter, Take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. So here's a person who's not following the word of God. And when he's telling his instructor, don't do the same thing he's doing. Don't follow along with him. Don't don't associate. Don't don't go the direction. May he feel that. Wait a minute. I'm on the wrong path. No one else is walking with me on this. But then he says the last verse, yet do not regard him as an enemy. Do not regard this one who's not following the path as an enemy, stab mode, but warn him as a brother. Keep in front of you that he is a brother who you are reaching out to that he would follow the instruction that the word of God has given to us. So, let me, so here's where the prop comes in. And Jeanette, come on up. You're, Jeanette's going to help me with this. And this is where this table comes in. Yes. So uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was, um, I, I was, I, I was busy doing what I usually do. And, but I was also um, to give the announcements that morning, and I forgot something. It wasn't written down, I forgot it, and everything. And so, but after the service, after I got done, I went out, coffee, cookies, kind of thing, and, I, and, I, and, and Jeanette was here, and there was another lady here at, this, at a table, like this one, and I, I saw them, so I came right up to them, you know, like, oh, I talked to these two ladies, kind of thing, and, there you go, Jeanette, um, Jeanette, what did you say to me? I said, Pastor, don't you want us to have an adult singles group in this church? Because? <laughs> that's, that's what she did. Now, I'm, who's the only person who can answer that question? 
you. But you know, Pastor, that wasn't actually a sin. You withheld information. It was an oversight. Mm -hmm. that, you're playing right into it. Good job. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good job. Because lots of times, Matthew 18, 15, um, sometimes you find out it wasn't a sin. Sometimes you find out that is, there's some more clarification that is needed. Mm -hmm. And so in that scenario, I'm the only one that really could answer that. And as I'm standing there and hearing what, what Jeanette is saying, I realize, wait, wait a minute. No, what she's saying is wrong. Okay, what she's saying is wrong because I'm the only one that can answer that because that's up here, right? And that's in here, right, kind of thing. So this is where these come into play. Postures are postures. When we have a Matthew 18, 15 situation, which I am so thankful happened out in the lobby, we look at our physically, our posture. What do I do? I face Jeanette. I look into her eyes. I, I don't do one of these, you know, kind of thing. I, I look at her, so I, that's physically. Mentally, mentally, gymnastics here, I'm remembering she's a sister. She's a sister. She's part of my spiritual family. And, and I mean, you've got spiritual family here that will be with you for eternity. You might have physical family that is not. Okay, so the, she's my sister mentally. I'm thinking of that. Emotionally, emotionally, I got to be in the moment to realize that, wait a minute, my sister, my sister is hurt. There's some sadness. There's some confusion to even be asked that. But I have to be in that posture that I hear that, wait a minute, my sister is hurting. And I, and I can do something about that. I can. And then the last one, spiritually. Spiritually to remember that, wait a minute, why is she doing this? Why is she bringing this up? Because Matthew 18, 15. She's following the scriptures that were given. And uh, I, I gave you uh, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. that really stresses that we are to be gentle. We are, we are to think of the other person that's there. So first off is the posture. You have to think about our posture in Matthew 18, 15. Our frame and our frame of mind are very important when we have these type of conversations. Now, we move on to the second one, the positives. The positives. Now, the first positive is the avoidance of temptation of other sins. When we do a Matthew 18, 15 situation, because that happened, there's an avoidance, the possible avoidance of other sins. If Jeanette did not come up to me during that time, do you know what of the temptations that would have been there? Do you know? Satan mulling in my head and thinking, what a terrible man he is. <laughs> but I know better. Look at me. There's no... There's no speck or no board in your eye <laughs> i'm going down you're going down okay you got it yeah. oh thank you thank you Jeanette. she didn't want to hang up here with me anymore yes on that side the temptation would be if she didn't do what she did oh i'm using two microphones um <laughs> If she didn't do what she did, the temptation is that she would share that with us. She would not follow Matthew 18, 15. She could have easily shared that with others. She could have easily went to Lakeshore, uh, where the singles are, and, and said, well, there's a pastor again. You know, he could have done it. 
And I could have done the same thing if that would have gotten back around to me, got back around to me, I could do the same thing. I, that Jeanette, who does she think he, she is? You know, kind of thing. When you do Matthew 18, 15, there's an avoidance of temptation of sin. Secondly, there's an opportunity to clarify or seek forgiveness. There is. There's an opportunity right at that moment to clarify, to be able to say to my sister in Christ, no, 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 no. I love the singles group. I do. And I'm, I'm there going like, okay, how do I rectify this? How do I rectify? Can I go around to every single class and tell everybody? And I caught five or six singles before they left the church. Are you going to Lakeshore? Are you going to Lakeshore? I mean, I'm just trying to, it was a time to clarify. But there might be a time, though, that it actually is a sin. And I do need to ask for forgiveness. We all have blind spots at times. All of us have blind spots. There are things that we say and do that we do not notice. And we need a brother or sister in Christ to do a Matthew 18, 15 for us kind of thing. And then, uh, well, I was going to tell this. So in another church at another time, there was a lady that came. I could see that she was distressed one Sunday morning. And so after the service, I talked to her and I said, is something up? She says, I'm leaving the church, Pastor Adam. And I said, you're leaving the church? Can you tell me why? And she goes, because you. And I said, okay, can you give me some more information? And she said, because you did this, 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 and this. I mean, she had a list. And it went in, it went in numerical, or, you know, like date order going back. And I had to make sure my posture, and I had to make sure I looked at her, and I had to remember she was a sister in Christ. I had to go through all of those things. But I said to her, I said, man, I am so sorry you've been carrying this for so long. Because it was over years. You've been carrying this so long. I am so sorry. But I do, sister, want you to realize that, wait a minute, because we didn't follow Matthew 18, that, that you didn't give me the opportunity to say, I'm sorry. All that time. You, didn't, you carried it but you didn't give me the opportunity to clarify maybe the situation or to say, please forgive me kind of thing. And so you could see how it, that's a negative, how it really stresses the positive and continued family opportunities. So last Sunday, you heard that I messed up. And what did I do? I had Jeanette stand up and I said, man, the singles ministry and this is the lady, that, the glue, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Because why? Because it, I truly want, it's just not on my radar at times, you know, kind of thing, because I'm not single, kind of thing. And then after the service, I sat down here for a little more prayer time. Who came up to pray with me? Who's the first person that came up to pray with me? Jeanette. Jeanette came up. And Jeanette said, Pastor, can you, can we pray about my family? And I said, well, yeah. And then we ended up praying not only for her family, but my family also. And we had this sweet time as brother and sister in Christ setting it down here in front that most likely would not have happened if we didn't practice Matthew 18, 15. Most likely would not have happened. Most likely wouldn't have had Jeanette standing up here in front of everybody at this table, too. She's, she's debating if she's ever going to do it again. The last one, the party. The party. Because if you do this, and if he listens, you've won your brother over. That's a party. James 5, uh, 19 and 20 is another one where you, when you reach out to your brother, search mode, you reach out to your brother, you, you, you save him. 
you, you, you're, you're covering a multitude of sins. You're, you, it's, it's, a, it's a wondrous, glorious thing when you reach out, when you're in search mode. Uh, in Luke 15, after the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. You know those stories? There was a what? A party. A party. And that brings me to verse 20 of our chapter. It's uh, probably a verse that's most abused, maybe, or out of context. When he gets to verse 20 of chapter 18, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Now, I keep that in context. What's he been talking about? He's been talking about conflict resolution. He's been talking about sin. He's been talking about people, the family of God, coming together and talking about something and, and getting resolution on something. That's the context of it. He says, when that happens, I'm right there with you. I'm at the table. Because you're following after what I have said. I'm right there at the table. Reminds me of the Great Commission. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. When we do the Great Commission, when we're focused on the Great Commission of making disciples, where's, where's God? He's right there with us. Right there. So same thing here. When we do a Matthew 18, 15, where is he? He's right there with us. He's right there with us. Last two slides. Uh, Aaron, feel free to come out. True unity involves Matthew 18, 15. True unity in the body of Christ. That we practice Matthew 18, 15. Second, true unity involves taking sin and Scripture seriously. And we've got this case study in, in the Bible, and you can read these two later on. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where there's a, there's a situation where the church has been sweeping a sin under the rug and not dealing with it. And Paul comes and says, wait, what? What are you doing? And they're actually kind of proud that they're doing that. And he says, no, 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 no. You need to take that sin very seriously. And then on the other side, there's 2 Corinthians chapter 2. There's a situation. It could be the same situation, but it's another situation where someone, uh, it had to be, it was brought to the whole church's attention at some point, but the person who did the sin now has repented. They have repented, they've asked for forgiveness, and now Paul is telling the church, let them back in. Don't hold them at arm's length anymore. Forgive them. Allow them to feel the forgiveness of the body of Christ. So I put down there, many times we, we are weak on dealing with sin. We're weak on that. We, we sweep a lot under the rug. But many times we're weaker I'm restoring the repentant. Someone does something wrong and they come back and they ask for forgiveness and we're weaker at times to accept them and bring them back into your circle, into the fold. I've been reading a book called uh, Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse and here's a quote. It takes just as much energy to not deal with problems as to deal with them. And then it's almost like a dot, dot, dot. It's almost like the author is thinking, and he says, actually, it takes more energy. Because in not dealing with problems, you get to keep the problem, plus you have to work hard to cover it up. To cover it up. In a congregation this size, in any grouping of Christians, there are, I there's times that we don't follow Matthew 18, 15. We don't go to one another. 
We don't allow the opportunity. And so we go a different route. And so many times I think what needs to happen is we need to go to that brother or sister in Christ and first off say, I have sinned. Please forgive me. Because true unity comes in a body of believers when we take sin seriously and we take His Scriptures seriously. Could we bow our heads in prayer? And before I pray, um, maybe, maybe there's a situation you want me to pray about or that you're going to take a step this week to do a Matthew 18, 15 that you haven't done. And I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And if that's you this day, our heads are bowed, eyes closed. You can lift your hand and say, Pastor, just pray. I don't need to know the situation. Just pray. Pray for me. I'm going to take that step this week. Yeah. Anybody else? Yep. 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 I'm going to take that step this week. I'm going to start by saying, I'm going to start by saying, I have sinned. Please forgive me. And then God guide me. Now you guide me, God, to take this sin seriously and this and this scripture that you've given to us seriously. So Heavenly Father, thank you for those that raise their hands. And I pray that you'll be with each one of those that are saying, I want to I want to take sin and Scripture seriously, and, and I want to take my own sin seriously. And Lord, I want, to, I want to make sure that I'm following after your words. Lord, help us with the postures. We are thankful for the positives. And Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity for there to be a party. Because brother and sister, brother and brother, brother and sister, sister and sister, uh, sense again the family of God. We ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Just to miss to coffee and cookies and come for more. <laughs>